You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Dave Ammons. I wasn't prepared to worship that hard. I ain't got hardly a voice left, it. Y'all be all right. Let's do it, baby. All right, how good was last weekend? Come on, there was like 15 people in this section over here. There was a lot of y'all here last weekend. Come on. Here's the thing that I want to celebrate is I don't think there's a better way to start a year than getting in church. I mean, I know it only happens once every seven years that you can physically start the year being in the house of God. And I just think there has to be something that goes along with it. I I love that you get to start our year off chasing after the things that God has for us. You know, one of the things that I absolutely love about the beginning of the the year is it's really unique. There's, There's something that happens at the beginning that doesn't really happen the rest of the year. More time than than none, this time right now, we're kind of all on the same page. Most of us are thinking about the things of the new year. Uh, possibilities are kind of everywhere, depending on how big your list gets, right? I mean, there, there is, for, for, for you guys who are believing for a fresh start, freshness happens at the beginning of the year. And I just love that there's a sense of a fresh start just available for us. Um, and, I, and I just believe, and I can feel and sense y'all's excitement. And I just, I absolutely love that as a part of just what the beginning of the year brings. I love all the things that kind of happens uh, as events as well. I mean, if, if you're a football fan and have been watching all the bowl games, anybody watching football this, this yeah? <clears throat> There's a few fans. Now, I will say, if you are a resident of South Carolina, which I think we all are in the room, maybe not, most of us are, highly recommendation right here, high, high recommendation, don't base your year off of how South Carolina is playing football. Because we both lost. We're all on the same playing field. Clemson lost, Carolina. Now, if you're a Georgia fan, things are looking pretty good for you this year. I mean, the favor is with you. You're winning games. It looks like it could be a good year for you. But as we look around this campus as well, I love just what the buzz of the new year brings. We got more babies crawling around this preschool than we can shake a stick at. I mean, they're just everywhere. I love it. I mean, we got buggies that are 12 babies deep. It's just awesome. They're hitting wall. It's awesome. We got a great crew around here. Uh, and then we got our academy. There's, there's kids just all over this campus. I love what it, what it just feels like when you get back into full swing. Um, and I can feel it in you guys. This, the excitement is, is there. I actually read an interesting study this past week, and here's what it said. It says that one out of three people are excited about walking into 2023. One out of three. That means two-thirds of the people in this world, over 60% of the population, are not happy aren't excited about walking into this, even to go as far as to say they're depressed about walking into this next year. Can I just say, not so with us? Like, not so with every single person in this room and everybody who's joining us online. Because there's a fresh 
thing for every single one of us sitting in this room and everybody who's joining us online. Which, by the way, let me just say, I had a good friend who can't be here with us this weekend, and I told him I'd give him a shout-out. Here's your shout-out. And to that, thank you for everybody who can't be here and joins us every single week. And I just want to say, as a bigger part of that whole thing, thank you all for the opportunity to be one of your leaders. I love what we get to do, and the fact that God chose me to be a part of that team, we have an incredible church. And if you want to get to know some incredible people, start talking to the people on your row. It's absolutely incredible. So I just want to say thank you to that um, there. Now, before we get into today's message, I asked the team if I could do the announcements. Now, we only have one announcement, so it's not that big of a deal, right? But I want to speak a little bit more into it. If you will, I want to preach the announcements, okay? Because today, if you follow our text messages, it says today is day one of 21 days of praying and fasting, okay? Yeah, there's a bunch of people excited about that. Now, I do have to let you know, somehow I messed that up in my head. I'm starting tomorrow. I don't know what it was. I thought we were doing this on Monday. But regardless, whether you did it on today or whether you're starting with me tomorrow, regardless, we got some uh, amazing things coming down the pike for the 21 days. And I, I really invite you to, to join us in on that journey. Here's what I want to say to that whole thing is our church started in 1987. And prayer has been a part of that foundation. And it started with six people in a living room in a neighborhood just down the street, Evanston Estates. Six people in a living room that believed in this dream called cathedral. And since then, God has moved in such a powerful way from the prayers of those six people. And now over the last 35 years... We've had thousands of people who have joined in on that dream. Now, I say all of that to say, if you know anything about us as a church, we believe in prayer. We believe in the power of prayer, of what it does in our life. And so over the next 21 days, Monday through Friday, right here in this worship center at 6.30 in the morning, as well as Sunday at 8.15, we invite all the dream team to come in here uh, on Sunday mornings. It's a great time. We also can join you right there in your living room, in your car, wherever you're going online. We've tried to make it as easy as possible for you guys to join us in that whole process. But we're going to be praying together. We're going to be leaning into everything that God has for us. And, and let me just say this as it, as it pertains. The, the reason that we do this at the beginning of each year is for a specific reason. We're letting God know something. And what we're letting God know is that you, you are the priority. In fact, you can think of it this way. Risha did an amazing job of, uh, of leading us into praying over our giving, our tithes and our offering. And what you can think of the 21 days is it's really just a tithe of our time. Before we do anything else, you know, every year is marked by something, right? You know, like when I say, well, uh, 2020, I think was COVID, right? Is that right? Okay, so that, that year is marked by, every year is marked by something, right? Before this year begins to run away with whatever it wants to be marked with, we're saying something very, very special. That this time period, for the next 21 days, it is set apart. And what we're doing is we're going to put you first. I'll tell you one of the main reasons, in fact, why I do it. Because like yourself, I desperately need God's help. I desperately need him in the everyday operations of my life. Because if we ever are going to start doing this thing really that we call church, 
right? We're participating in it right now, this morning, okay? If we're going to do this thing that we call church, and we ever start doing it under our own strength, under our own abilities and understandings, without the presence and the leading of God, can I just tell you something? We're in trouble. We're in trouble. And, and this goes for every aspect of our life because we're good, right? I'm looking around this room, and there's some talented people in this room who can do some amazing things on their own abilities, but you're not that good. We need God's help desperately. And so for the next 21 days, hundreds of us are going to join in in chasing after God, declaring our complete dependence on him. So would you join us this year? Maybe, maybe you've done it and you're excited for it. Amen to that. Maybe you've wanted to do it in years past, but for whatever the reason is, you just haven't participated. Can you make this the year that you decide, hey, you know what? I'm just going to at least try it. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that's going to make you nervous or you know, whatever. I mean, you can sit in the back for all I care. You can sit in your bathroom and watch it online for all I care. Whatever it is, but participate with it. Because the challenge that I think that I have for you is to see if you can make this statement come true. Okay? That this year, 2023, can be the best year of your life. If you make this the best year of your life spiritually. Big difference between those two. You catch the difference there? You can make the best year of your life if you make this the best year of your life spiritually. So go ahead and turn to your neighbor and tell them, it's going to be the best year ever. All right, turn to your other neighbor and say, I'll see you in the morning. All right, I'm a man of my word. And what y'all just did is y'all said y'all going to be here in the morning. I'm going to be here in the morning. Messy hair, maybe even pajamas. Depends on how late I get up. But I'm, I can't wait to see every single one of you guys here. It's going to be an amazing, amazing. All right, let's dive into today's message. Um, believe it or not, I actually completely changed my message from past week to this week, okay? Let me tell you a little bit about that journey. Uh, because it started with the incredible teaching uh, that we were under last week with Pastor Eddie. Um, and really it, what it boils down to is just, I just felt like there were so many people in here so hungry for God. And I believe God responds to that hunger with his presence, and his presence, no doubt, was so thick in an anticipation of what God is wanting to do in your life this year. And, you know, I don't search for a word every year. Nothing against that. I, if, if you do that, I actually applaud you. Um, I don't chase after it, but, but when God gives me a word, I listen, right? And over the past seven years, I would say I probably got two words for the year, okay? This past November, I felt like the Lord gave me a word. And... Typically what I do with that is I, I, I set some time aside, I'll explore that word, I'll, I'll just dive in scripturally to figure out whatever it is that he's trying to communicate. Well, this year with as busy as it's been over the past December, I just, I'll be honest with you, I just didn't have the time. I hadn't done it yet, but I was looking forward to doing it in January. But while I was sitting under Pastor Eddie's teaching, I felt like the Lord communicated something to me. He reminded me of the word that he gave me in November but he added another statement to it. And that statement was this. I felt like he was saying, Dave, that word is not only for you, and it is, but that's the word I need you to give to the church. And so when he says something like that, my ears perk up. I'm like, all right. So Monday morning I came in here, which was an off day for our staff. So it was me and every square foot of this whole building. It was amazing. 
me and the Lord had a great time on Monday diving into what I feel like God had for us. And the word that I feel like he gave me back in November and that we're going to talk about today is the word favor. Favor. Uh, and so he, here's what I want to do. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and get them out. But if you have your phones, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. The majority of today's message is going to be out of Luke chapter 2, specifically the verses 40 through 52. As always, we try to make it easy as easy as possible for you, so we're going to put it on the screen as well. Now, when you're looking at Luke chapter 2, it's a unique part of Scripture because what we have here is recorded a story that is very, very rare. See, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all record pretty much the same thing through different personalities and different lenses. Okay? They're all communicating the ministry of Jesus. And I love that because we're all wired differently, right? And so you get to see these different aspects of who God is during the time of his ministry. And what's interesting is this is the only recording that we have of Jesus when he's 12 years old. Now, we know a lot about his birth. We know a lot about his ministry, his, his crucifixion and his resurrection. But we don't know a lot about his teenage years except what we have in Luke chapter 2. And one of the things that it tells us is that this is a time of favor for Jesus. In fact, it's a time where God's hand was on him and his favor was increasing. Okay, so what I want to do, we'll start off by looking at the, the first verse and the very last verse of our scripture today. This is Luke chapter 2, verse 40. Here's what it says. It says, the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's what? Was with him. Now you go to the very end, verse 52, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and maturity. Other uh, versions of the Bible says it grew in stature. That's simply his height and weight. He's just growing as a 12-year-old boy, okay? And then it ends by saying this statement again. He gained favor from God and people, okay? Now talk about something interesting to really think about. How does the Son of God increase in favor with God? Pretty crazy thought, right? But we know it's true because scripture told us it. He gained favor. And how many of you know that if Jesus needed to increase in favor with God and with men, do you think that we need to increase in favor as well? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I don't know that this is true every single time, but one of the things that I do when I read a section of the Bible when there's a passage of scripture that starts with a theme, verse 40 clearly starts this theme of favor. Verse 52 ends this theme of favor. What I do is I go, hmm, we're starting with something, we're ending with something. I wonder if the middle has something to do with that theme. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to see what the middle of this scripture gives us as insight into favor and how do we get it in our lives. Let me say it this way. Favor is something that you want. Okay, everybody say favor. favor. Let me see that ball. Here we go. I want you to imagine with me. You got an NFL team, and they're four games into the season. They stink. They're awful. Okay, they've lost four games, and they're trying to figure things out. We're in the middle of the fifth game. We're getting ready to go to halftime, and guess what? They're losing. Okay, so the team goes back to the, uh, to the um, locker room, and the coach tells them, says, hey, I got it. I, I figured it out. I actually know why we're losing. I know what we got to do. 
And here's what he tells the team. He says, here's, here's what we're going to do. What we're going to do and what's going to make us win is we're going to draw up a brand new play that nobody has ever seen before. Exactly. How many of y'all think that's going to work? No, it's not going to work. What, what a good coach would do is, what he would do is he would pull out the whiteboard. He'd pull out the chalkboard or whatever it is that he draws the play on, and he would draw the players back to the basics. You see, this is exactly what Coach Vince Lombardi of the Green Bay Packers would do every single year. Did you know that Lombardi never had a losing season? Never. In fact, I was doing some research on him, and he, he actually had a 74% win percentage in his regular season. What? 90% during the playoffs. I mean, this guy won multiple Super Bowls. And each season, he began by holding up a football and saying these famous words. Gentlemen, this is a football. <laughs> now, he's got Super Bowl winners sitting right in front of him. And he says, hey, I, I need you to understand the importance of something. This right here is a football. And I'm getting ready to reteach you every basic because it's the very reason you got where you got in that game. Going back to the basics is the... Is, Willing to say that it's the reason why they were successful. I think we can draw the same conclusion in life that when we go back to the basics, it's the thing that calls us to a successful life. Paul actually tries to do the very same thing in Hebrews chapter 2. Take a look at this. It says this in uh, verse 1. For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard. Talking about the things of Scripture. Talking about the things of, of Jesus' teaching. Then... When we do that, something will happen. We won't drift away from the truth. Paul's telling us, hey, it's so important not to lose sight of the basics. Psalms 30, verse 5, as it pertains to favor, tells us this, that God's favor lasts a lifetime. Did you know that God wants the absolute best for you? He wants the absolute best for every single one of us. And favor is one of those basic principles that he gives to every single one of us. And as believers, this, this lifetime of favor, it's one of the biggest assets that we have if we tap into it. So church, this is favor. Let's talk about it a little bit. Are you good? All right. Whoa, what do you do? I missed it. What do you do? Oh, you were nervous. Babe, how many times have we thrown football in the backyard? <laughs> I should have given you confidence by now. All right, here we go. The Bible talks about favor numerous times. In fact, it appears 127 times. It's the Greek word charis. And depending on what the scripture is talking about, it can sometimes be translated as grace. And isn't it interesting when you think about favor and grace? What is grace? It's something that God does in our life that we don't deserve. Now put that in conjunction with favor. Isn't that unique? But depending on the verse, the context, the verse most often, a lot of times, is translated as favor. And favor not only makes a massive difference in our lives, but favor in its greatest form makes a difference in the lives of the people around you. I want you to think about it with me like this. If I have the favor of God in my life, okay, that's immediately going to affect Macy. 
it's immediately going to affect the boys. It's, it's going to immediately affect this church and the community of people that I, I surround myself with. In fact, if the favor of God is on my life, it's going to affect even when I speak up here on this stage. If the favor of God is in my life at a greater capacity, and we just realize that it can grow, even Jesus increased in favor, okay? So the favor of God in my life is, is, is operating at a greater capacity than what will follow is a greater impact because of my life, okay? Now, let's reverse that, because the reverse of that is also true. The absence of favor, all of a sudden, there's, a, there's going to be a deficit in my relationships, a deficit with, with how me and Macy interact, with, with a deficit with the boys in the church, and, 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 and all that kind of stuff, and so on and so on. In fact, let me say it this way. The more you dive into favor, the more you realize the power of it, the more you realize a statement like this, which is favor is not optional. Favor is essential. And when you read through the Bible so often with different people, it makes a very clear statement that there was favor on them. Okay, Noah. Noah found favor. He wasn't an engineer. He wasn't a builder. But yet he builds one of the most magnificent boats that this earth has ever seen and it has saved the population. Okay? Take a look at Abraham. Abraham had favor with the Lord. In fact, so much favor that it increased his influence with God. That's a lot of favor. How many of you guys would like to have influence with God? It's a pretty crazy thought. Right? But this is Genesis chapter 18. The Lord is getting ready to destroy these cities of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. But because of the favor that Abraham had, listen, he pleaded with God. Started at 50, went all the way down to 10, and he pleaded, God, if there's just 10 righteous people, would you spare this city? And guess what happens? God agrees. Okay? How, how does that happen? It happens because Abraham has the favor of God and is able to pray in such a way for the benefit of others that brings about the will of God in a situation that wouldn't have happened otherwise. That's the power of favor in your life. Let's take a look at Daniel. Daniel has favor. In fact, favor that increased his influence with people, a favor that allowed him to have unusual protection, a favor that allowed him to have unusual success. Shouldn't have happened, but yet it did. Here's how it works. When a person has favor, when you have favor in your life, there are some things that will work out for them but won't work out for the person sitting right next to them, okay? They can do the exact same thing with completely different results. What's the difference? Favor, okay? You know the story. Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den, okay? Untouched, unscathed, not a scratch on him, not even in the middle, right? Well, one could say, oh, well, the lions, they weren't hungry. That's, that's how you explain that, right? Until you realize that the king at that time, who was not a, a God follower, saw the same favor on Daniel's life. Got him out of that lion's den, threw the guards in there, and the Bible actually tells us that the, they were devoured before they even touched the ground. Listen to what Psalms chapter 5, verse 12 says as it pertains to this kind of favor. It says, surely, Lord, you bless the righteous, and you surround them with your favor as a shield. You see, Daniel goes from being a slave to being the second most powerful person in the entire world 
at that time under three different kings and three different kingdoms. It's favor. Favor is the supernatural ingredient that brings about success in your life that you would not have otherwise. I'm trying to build a case for you a little bit here. Y'all getting ready to see a little bit of that? I want you to get hungry for having the hand of God in the favor. It might sound a little corny, but here's the thought that I have. Favor is the thing that puts the super into your natural life. And you want the supernatural givings of what God has for your life. Amen? Joseph goes to prison. He's a slave of Potiphar, but he has favor. And favor is the difference maker because favor takes him from the prison to the palace. Because favor has the ability to turn your life around in a moment. Oh, you think you've been working on something that you feel like God's forgotten about it? Mm -mm. In a moment, it can happen. Moses had favor. Gideon had favor. I mean, he took an army of 300 and defeated an army of 120,000. That's the power of favor. Favor has the ability of multiplying the power of God in your life and in your situations. Anybody had a situation in your life that you're like, I have no idea how I'm getting out of it? I had plenty of them in high school. But somehow, amen, brother, I'm right there with you. But the favor of God's on your life, and it, it changes those situations. Samuel had favor. David had favor. Esther, eight different times in Scripture, it says that she had favor. In fact, one of the times it says that she sought out favor. It's the difference maker. She was able to save the Jewish people because of the favor that was on her life. Mary, the Bible says, she, had, she was highly favored. Listen, I can go on and on and on and show you biblical figure after biblical figure and show you how favor is the key figure, key ingredient that we need to have in our life. Here's what's interesting. At least what I find about favor is it's misunderstood by so many people. It confuses people, which is really troubling because if you don't understand favor, you're never going to be able to celebrate it in the lives of other people. And what ends up happening, and I'm sure you've done this because everybody has, you start asking questions, well, well why did they get that? Why, why do they have all that going on in their life? Why does it seem like Jesus has, is doing all this amazing, great wonder? What about me? Let me encourage you, if you find yourself in that moment, Instead of asking the question, why them? Why is all that going on in your life all the time? Change the question around because this is the true question you're really wanting to ask. Which is, how do I get the favor of God in my life? Because let me say it this way as well. God does not like any person in this room better than the next one sitting right next to you. He loves every single one of us equally. But there is no doubt that there are people in this room that have more favor than other people in this room. If you can increase, you can decrease. We'll explore a little bit of why that is. But let me also say this, and this is just my personality kind of coming out a little bit. But if you're a person that has a lot of favor in your life, don't ever apologize for it. Favor in our life, see, it doesn't come from us. Don't, don't mistake yourself on that. Favor in our lives comes from God, and just because someone is uncomfortable with the amount of favor in your life doesn't mean that we need to make excuses for it or diminish it, because God doesn't make mistakes, okay? 
Favor is available to every single one of us. And God wants every one of us to reap massive amounts of favor in our life. What is it? Why? What, what, what is the purpose of it? Let me give you just two quick ones, right? One purpose is for it to draw us closer to God. Draw us closer to who he is. He desperately wants a relationship. And this isn't my thought. This is Romans chapter 2, verse 4. The first part of it is pretty aggressive. Do you have contempt for God? who is very kind to you and puts up with you and deals patiently with you, don't you realize that it is God's kindness, God's blessing, God's provision, God's favor, God's anointing that is trying to lead you to him and to change your way of thinking. He wants us to be close to him. So he uses favor to get us closer. Another purpose is so that we can give it to others. You see, it's our responsibility to receive favor. It's also our responsibility to cultivate favor, just like Esther did, asking for it, cultivating it. It's also our job to steward favor well. Because how many of you guys know that if, if, you, are, if you receive something, if you give something to your kids and they don't steward it well, how many more times are you going to give it to them, right? Same thing with favor. We've got to steward this whole process well, but it's also our responsibility to give it to others. Jesus led by example on this when he was getting ready to release the disciples into ministry. This is Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, because he had been telling you, hey, y'all have been blessed. You have spent a lot of time with me. You, you have the favor of God in your life, but it's not just for you. And he gives this mandate. He says, freely you have received, so freely give. Unfortunately, too many people don't operate with the favor of God in their lives that is freely available. And I don't want that for us at all. So let's look, Luke chapter 2, verse 40, because I want to show you a principle from the life of Mary and Joseph. Now, this passage says a lot about favor, but there's one main principle that I want you to see, okay? And it's going to be the, the really big point of today's message. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you right now. Here's the principle that if you want to increase in favor, stay close to Jesus. That's it. Don't make it hard. Don't trick yourself into thinking it's more difficult. Simply stay close. That's the point of today. If you want to increase in favor, that is the condition. Stay close to Jesus. Let's read about it. Luke chapter 2, verse 40. It says this. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the Feast of Passovers. Okay, here's the context. Feast in the beginning of the spring feast. There was three Jewish feasts that, were, that they were required to journey to Jerusalem, no matter where you were. Whether you already lived in Jerusalem, maybe you were out in Nazareth or some of the surrounding cities, they were required, if at all possible, you need to take the journey to Jerusalem during these feasts. Now, Joseph being a godly man, Joseph being a righteous man who would have sought after these things, definitely would have been taking this journey from Nazareth to Jerusalem. Roughly a 91-mile journey. Okay, So it would have taken them about four to five days, depending on how many stops and all that kind of stuff. Verse 42 and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. Now, when you go over to Israel with us, one of the sites that we're going to, to go to is a place called the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. It's, it's the most religious site for the Jewish people. 
Um, and what you're going to see there multiple times a day is boys and girls coming to celebrate their bar mitzvah. Okay, you've all heard the term, right? Bar meaning son of, mitzvah meaning law. Okay, so you're simply becoming a man or son of the law or daughter of the law. And this would happen at the age of 12. They would go to the temple and they, they read the Torah. They, it's a big celebration. They're blowing the shofar horn and all that kind of stuff. It's, a, it's really, really fun to kind of watch this thing happen. Now, as we're reading this scripture, bar mitzvahs really don't begin to happen for another hundred years. Okay? But the principle of what they were accomplishing is happening here. Okay? It's Passover. And basically what it is, is just a boy going into be a man, a, a girl growing into womanhood. Okay, so that's what we see happening in here. It's Passover. They're going as a family. Jesus is 12. Verse 43. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. Okay, so they're leaving town. The feast is over. They're traveling with a caravan of friends, relatives, acquaintances, you name it. They're getting ready to go back. Joseph doesn't see Jesus, doesn't see him. I mean, he's probably assuming, like typical, the, the women and the children would go to the front of the caravan. He's probably assuming, hey, he probably just wants to go play with the kids, okay? Mary, on the other hand, she doesn't see him either. She's assuming, hey, we just got done with this whole boy becoming a man, got the bar mitzvah thing out the way, right? And so he's like, he, wants, she, he probably wants to hang out with the men. Right? So she just assumes that he's hanging out with the men. They're a day in. Okay? They've set up camp. Tried a full day. Now they're, they've set up camp. Joseph and Mary cannot find Jesus. And Joseph simply tells Mary, listen, I thought he was with you, hanging out with your kids and all that. And he's, no, I mean, he's hanging out with you. Joseph responds going, I, I haven't seen him all day. I mean, how many parents have seen and been in that situation right there going back and forth, right? Okay. I'll never forget, baby Trad, we were at the beach, and one of the scariest moments of my life, he goes missing in a split second, we can't find him anywhere, I have searched the entire road, I have gone up and down every house that I can find on the beach, I don't care if you're hanging out in your backyard, I'm screaming bloody murder for my child, right, I mean, I'm screaming to Jesus, please save my child, I'm going into the ocean, trying to do everything that I can to find this child of mine. Meanwhile, baby Trad is about 500 yards down the beach having the time of his life with this other group of people. <laughs> Being the life of the party, right? Okay, this is where Joseph and Mary is right now. They, they have lost him, and they've kind of found themselves in the same predicament. Verse 45, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Okay, so they're a day's journey out, another day's journey back. Okay, so we're two days have gone away now, okay? They're back in Jerusalem. They're ready to search. But the Feast of Passover, even though it's over, you still got the hustle and bustle of the whole town. I mean, 80-something thousand people would be moving into the city. And I'm sure they're trying to think through every possible place that Jesus could have gone. I mean, where does a 12-year-old hang out in the city? When you go over there with us, you're going to see that the marketplace where they would have shopped and done a lot of business and a lot of people hanging out is chaotic, right? So they're searching everywhere. Where can they do it? And they cannot find them. They searched absolutely everywhere. Verse 46, after three days. Now, some say that three days is a day out, a day back, and a day of searching. 
Many scholars think that it was three days of searching within Jerusalem. Okay, so if that is the case, now we're up to five days of searching for Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, it's pretty nerve-wracking to lose your own kid. I can't imagine how nervous Mo Jer uh, Joseph and Mary were for losing God's kid for five days. Whew, I bet they were nervous. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions, and all who heard him were amazed with his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And Jesus responds back to him. He says, why were you looking for me? I mean, see, even Jesus gives typical teenager responses. Okay? It's okay. Right? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in what? Favor with God. Amen. Let me give you four quick principles that we see in this story about losing Jesus and how all of this pertains to favor. Because if you and I are going to go through life with the favor of God, it starts with being close. But what can ha happen so easily to people is that this distance can begin to develop between them and Jesus. And when that happens, the fallout, unfortunately, is a decreasing amount of favor on your life. Four quick principles to help us understand why favor is dependent on our closeness with God. Number one is this. Don't get separated. Don't get separated. The initial separation began when both Joseph and Mary assumed that Jesus was doing what he typically did. Okay, verse 43. And when the feast had ended... As they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, and his parents did not know it, but supposing him to be with the group. You see, the longer that we walk with Jesus, the easier it is to fall into the trap of thinking that we've got God all figured out, that we think we know what he's going to do and how he's going to operate in our life, right? But we always have to remember that God does new things all the time. What he was doing in your life yesterday is going to be different than what he's doing in your life today, than what he's going to be doing tomorrow. I mean, how many of you guys remember day one of becoming a Christian? Pretty exciting, right? We're chasing after the things of God. You know, we're, we're, we're anticipating and looking forward to our devotion time because we can't wait to see what God's going to speak and reveal to us and, and challenge us with. I mean, we're changing our music, right? We're getting into the car and listening to worship music all the time and praying as much as we can, trying to talk to God. But then how long does it take before that slowly stops happening? And before long, you don't even start your day with Jesus anymore. And by the end of the day, you don't even know where he is. Imagine it with me. If Joseph and Mary would have just put their eyes on Jesus, as opposed to assuming you see, we get in situations, man, I know what Jesus is going to do. I know what God's going to do in my life. If Joseph and Mary would have just put their eyes on Jesus, I see you. I know that you're with me. I draw close to you. Would have made a big difference. 
But I think the warning that he has for every single one of us is don't let the danger of familiarity in our walk with God cause this separation. You know, we all get used to our house, right? Clean it, whatever. And then we have friends and family come over, and what do we do? Mad dash, clean our house. And that usually works until you get a six, seven giant come over to your house, and you realize, oh, shoot, I haven't dusted the top of my refrigerator for 10 years since I had that thing. <laughs> right? We get familiar. We get, a, uh, we get used to certain things. You see, this year I believe that God is going to do some new things. We're at the beginning of God moving in some powerful ways in our life. So let's not get comfortable. Let's not get too familiar. Let's, let's say every morning, God, I need you. Asking questions like, God, where are you going? Because I want to start my day with you and I want to end my day with you. I don't want to get separated from you. And when we do this, when this is our posture, we're going to see him do things in our life that we've never seen him do before. You're going to hear him communicate things in your life that you never heard him do before because we're drawing close to him. Don't get separated. Amen? Amen. Number two, stay aware. Stay aware. Mary and Joseph didn't know Jesus was absent until they stopped. Verse 45, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. You see, they thought Jesus was with them, but he wasn't. And for us, you see, it can be dangerous when we take for granted the presence of God in our life. You see, I pray all the time that I stay aware of the presence of God and that you will always want it in your life, that you always will chase after it and ask for it in your life. Ask for the favor to be in your life, to be on your kids, to be in your marriage. I need a lot of favor. Macy's close to perfect. She doesn't need that much. But I pray it every day, right? But we pray for, it, for favor in our workplace. Unfortunately, what can happen, and I see this happen in so many people, it breaks my heart. In fact, this is one of the things that I have to stay one of the most conscious of, is making sure that I actively operate under the presence of God in my life rather than leaning on my own abilities and my own understanding. You see, this very thing happened to Samson. Here it is in Judges. Let me just show it to you real quick in one verse. It says, then she called, talking about Delilah. This is the girl that's in his life, the one who deceived him. She says, Samson, hey, hey, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and thought, oh, not a problem. I've done this a lot of times. I'll go out and I'll shake myself free. Not a big deal. Listen to this next line. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. He didn't know. Can I just tell you that this is not a place that you want to find yourself? You, you want to know how you can tell that you've gotten far away from Jesus? To, to the point that, that you're not even really aware of his presence in your life. To the point that you're not even aware of the blessing and the, the anointing that he has placed on your life. You don't even know that he's left. Let's go to our story because in verse 46 this gives us a little bit of that insight. The next day they found him in the temple, seated among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. The teachers were all quite taken with him, impressed with the sharpness of his answers. Listen to this next line, but his parents were not impressed. Here's a question that we need to ask ourselves regularly. Can I sense the presence of God in my life? And that's not a trick question. It's an important question because if you can't, 
there's, there's this distance, and you know that distance, right? And I think the natural next thing is I, I need to close this gap. I don't want to get used to the things. I don't want to be... I don't want to get to a place where I'm not impressed with what God's doing in my life anymore. I've got to stay aware of the, how, how do I do that? How do I close this gap? Let's keep going on our story because we can do exactly what Joseph and Mary did. This is verse 45. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Okay, for them, this was a geographical action step. For us, it's spiritual. Go back to the last time that you felt God's presence in your life. Go back to the place. Well, where, where was that for you? Where was it that you, 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 what were you doing that even brought that season of life on? Because favor increases, increases when we stay aware and when we chase after the presence of God in our life. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 actually says it this way. It says, keep the book of the law, talking about the Bible, talking about the scripture. Keep it always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then look at the promise that it ends with. Then you will be prosperous. Then you will be successful. Then you will have the favor of God on your life. Number three, don't search in the wrong places. They had to search for Jesus for three days. And for three days, they searched in the wrong places. Now, now this point doesn't make sense for any other child on planet Earth. Okay? But when you have been visited by the angel of the Lord and you know that your son is special, your son is the son of God, there might be an obvious place to check. I mean, surely there's like a magnet that pulls them to the temple, that pulls them to the church, right? What this points to in our lives, though, is when you and I get spiritually distant from God, spiritually obvious things in our life become harder to see. They become harder to believe. Jesus said to them, okay, this is the next verse, is 49. Jesus said to them, why would you need to search for me? I mean, you can just see your parent, parent, his parents responding. You're going, what, what do you mean? Why? You understand how much you have stressed me and your mother out? And you imagine Jesus responding, well, then why did you even look at all them other places? Because look at his response. It says, didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be here in my father's house consumed with him? I had this thought, and I thought it was pretty interesting. See if you think it's interesting. But I thought it was pretty interesting that it took one day to lose Jesus, but it took three days to get him back or to find him. One could easily conclude that it's way easier to lose the presence of God than it is to find the presence of God or to get it back in our lives. And that would be true if, like the majority of the people in the world, you're searching in the wrong place. Because the moment that they searched the right place, it happened in an instant. But yet so many people search and try to get all these different things in their life that's going to be getting and filling them up, and this is what it's going to go after my year. Searching the wrong place. It's going to take you forever. But the moment that you search the right place, oh, man, I can't wait to talk about this with the rest of the series. I can't wait to talk about the power of the church in the coming weeks because there's a reason why God left this as the last thing he did on this earth. And there's a reason when we tap into it, oh, man, our life, come back next week. We got it. 
All right, Jeremiah 29, verse 13 encourages us. If you feel distant from God, listen to this. You will seek and you will find me when you seek me with all of your hearts. God responds by saying, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. It's simple. Don't make it hard. If he feels distant, simply just seek him and you will be found by him. Last one for you. Find the treasure. Verse 46, it says, the next day they found him in the temple, seated among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. The teachers were all quite taken with him, impressed with the sharpness of his answers. But his parents, they weren't impressed. Matter of fact, they were the opposite. They were upset and hurt. His mother said, young man, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been half out of our minds looking for you. And he said, well, why are you looking for me? Didn't you know that I had to be here dealing with the things of my father? But they had no idea what he was talking about. You see, sometimes when you and I are walking with the Lord, there's going to be things that we just don't understand. Why did this happen? How did this happen? Why can't it go faster? But some things are not going to be able to be fully appreciated in the moment until years later you see how God's favor and his hand was actually with you the entire time. Anybody had a situation that you just didn't feel like God was involved, only come find out years later you look back at that situation and go, oh my goodness, God's hand was in this thing the entire time. And I just didn't see it in that moment, right? No? Me? Oh, okay, okay, just make sure you're there. All right. But here's the, here, the vitally important spiritual principle that we have to understand no matter what situation is going on in our life is that favor increases when we humbly submit to authority. And what comes along with that submitting to God, submitting to our authority, is sometimes not having the mental capacity, the mental understanding or comprehension of things that are happening in our life. And that's okay. Because when you're in God's presence, when you experience God's favor, there are things that you just don't understand. And we have to be careful to not limit, to adjust our understanding only by what you can make sense of or verbalize or that you can explain. Because if we dumb it down to just that level, we're going to miss out on so many things that God has for us. They couldn't explain this. They had no idea what he was talking about, but that didn't stop them from having the correct response that we need to have. Verse 51 says, And they went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. She didn't understand it up here. Sometimes in life you're not going to understand everything that's going on but I'm going to treasure them right here in my heart. We've got to find the treasure. Jesus, and this makes sense because Jesus, when he came onto the scene, it wasn't about the head. It wasn't about how all the things and the rules and the regulations that the law brought. He was about the heart. She has this moment where she knows God is up to something, but she didn't understand it. I don't understand it, but I'm not going to reject it. I'm not going to brush it off. I don't want to miss what God is doing. I'm going to hold it in my heart until my head has time to make sense of it. Because God wants to do something, and I just don't want you to miss it just because you simply don't understand. I've had so many times in life where I'm so glad I didn't let it stop me because I didn't understand it in the natural. 
But if we understand that God's favor on our life has a supernatural ability to take care of the situations, to increase our favor with people, to increase our favor with God, to give us unusual protection, to give us unusual success with people, I'm okay with that. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay, here's what I want to do. I want to end by saying this, and you can go ahead and stand to your feet. In 2023, God is going to do something new in your life. Things that you've never experienced before. Things that you've never seen before. And when you pursue God, you're going to get a relationship with it, a closeness with Him that brings a whole new level of life that you've never experienced before. Does it make sense to you that the day that I started dating Macy is a completely different relationship than doing life with her and being married to her for 20 year, over 20 years now? That relationship is different, right? Every time we draw close to God, He draws close to us, and it's a new level that He shows to us, He reveals to us, He experiences. That's the favor in our life. Two chapters later, Jesus gives a proclamation, and it's the blessing that I want to leave with you here today. Verse 18, this is Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because He's anointed you. And he has something to proclaim to you, that this is the year of God's favor. Anybody want to receive God's favor in your life this year? You want to proclaim that in your life this year? I love, I love how the message says it. The message says he's, came, he's come to announce something. He's come to announce that this is God's year to act. I just firmly believe that God's going to act in your life in such a major way, and he's going to do things that you've never seen before. Remember I told you Joseph went from the prison to the palace? Things happen like that all the time. And I'm going to give you an example of something that is so huge in our society right now. Someone gave it to me actually last service, and I decided to pull it up at the end. Bring this text up real quick. You know, we talked about things happening in the beginning of the year, and we talked about football a little bit, and I'm sure many of you guys have seen what has happened to uh, DeMar Hamlin, okay? Tragic situation. I hate that it happened for him. But can I tell you something that I really appreciate about this whole process? When have you ever seen an event in our nation's history that has had millions of people calling on the power of God and the power of prayer? You see, as I read through scripture, he uses the most unlikely of people. And I don't know DeMar. He may be a fantastic guy. He may be a believer. He may not. But what I know is God can use a person to completely change an entire nation. To the fact that I have never seen a news reporter stop an entire show and said, hey, we talk about this thing called prayer. We say that it has power. I want to stop and actually pray on air with the entire nation. And an ESPN reporter stops and prays. Let me give you this perspective, because it was a Facebook post. I wish I could give credit. I have no idea who it came from. Here's what they said. Imagine that the last thing that you saw as a 24-year-old athlete in a top-notch physical fitness was a receiver that you tackled. And then you woke up days later to learn that your cardiac arrest turned a football game into a prayer meeting. 
convicted an ESPN anchor to pray on live television to God Almighty and to raise over $7 million for children who are in need. When God decides to use you, what seems like a tragedy can be turned into a triumph. I can't wait to meet the guy who loaned his heart to the world for a few seconds on Monday night. You know, I get passionate about what God does in your life. I have, te- I have seen too many things in my life not to know that God loves us more than we can ever pass imagine. I don't know what you have in your head here this morning. I don't know what you're believing for this this, this, this year. But the one thing that I know is if you chase after God with everything you have, it's, it can't not be the best year of your life. And so would you join us as we launch into this 21 days of prayer? Because God has a message for you. He wants to meet you throughout these next 21 days. So I bless you with the awareness with the fact that the favor of God is available. He wants to give it to you. Would you receive it? Lord bless you, Lord keep you. Lord God, your face to shine upon you and walk into the favor that God has for you this year, 2023, amen? You guys have an amazing uh, rest of your weekend. Thank you for coming, I can't wait to see you next weekend. We have some new merchandise up front. A lot of you guys have uh, asked for the Pray First bracelets to go to a t-shirt. It's available up front. Can't wait to see y'all at 6.30 in the morning. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.